Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Crepuscle's vocalist and ESP-endorsed guitarist Eligio Tapia joins us today from California's legendary Bay Area. Crepuscle is a melodic death metal band who released their second full-length album, Heavenly Skies, in 2019, and have shared the stage with bands such as Decrepit Birth, Gygax, Insomnium, Grave Shadow, Cyborg Octopus, and Helion Prime. Eligio, welcome, and thank you for joining me. Hi, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here, and looking forward to a great chat. Me too. I'm excited. So let's kick, uh, kick things off at the beginning. So how did Crepuscle come to be? Uh, the origin of Crepuscle um, starts with its previous incarnation. Um, we, we were called Draconian Winter. Uh, we started when we were in high school. I believe we were 14 or 15 when we first started started getting together. Um, started playing. And, and actually, some of the... The songs that ended up on our first album are uh, incarnations from from the previous uh, version. So we 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 kept some of those songs and reworked some stuff like that. Um, but basically, it was myself initially and and two other friends. We went to the same high school, started jamming, and then um, got more of a lineup going. Um, and then after so long, um, well, we we put out one demo slash EP under Draconian Winter. Um, and then we slowly, the lineup started to change, I guess, over time to the point where I was the only founding member and it just, I just felt like it made more sense to change the name at that point, even though I kept most of the songs and, and reworked some stuff here and there, um, decided to change to Crepuscle, I believe. And I'd have to double check, but probably like 2010 or 11. So that's, that's the basic origin i guess <laughs> and fair enough so with a with the change in personnel i guess uh, was it difficult to um, decide like a new direction or did you have kind of the same vision i, th I already had the same vision um it just felt like uh starting fresh was probably a better idea and also draconian winter was not really a name i was too keen on anymore so it was a good mm -hmm. opportunity to start have this be a new chapter um, but in a in a way to to kind of pay tribute to to the origins, I did name our um, our first album Draconian Winter, the first Crepuscle album. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So, um, what's your writing process like when it comes to? Um, I guess a couple of questions here. Sorry, what's your writing process like, and did it change from when you were Draconian Winter? Yes, it definitely changed uh, when we were Draconian Winter. It was more. Um, it was much more collaborative, like uh, you know, you, two guitarists meeting up and and coming up with parts on the spot. Um, that's the way it worked at the beginning, um, but then once time kind of moved on and and I don't know, different approaches started to take place. Um, I I took preference to writing stuff at home alone, and then presenting either finished songs or um, even file sharing in real time. So um, most, I mostly will write a full song myself and then present it later, either as a Guitar Pro um, file or um, a demo, or, or typically both actually. Um, but there has been collaborations between myself and the other guitarists in the band, Cameron Stuckey, where we, um, we just have a file 
on in our Dropbox, uh, which is a uh, like a cloud um, service for anyone who might not know, and we will be able to see when somebody uploaded a new version, and then open it up, and and um, the the other person will then take a stab at it and and see if they can add something. So we we did some of that on on Heavenly Skies, and it it proved to be very um, very effective. Interesting. I like how it's a collaboration, but it's also um, kept up in real time. Now, I've heard the term Guitar Pro before, but I don't know what that is. Can you explain that? Yes, absolutely. So Guitar Pro is a guitar tablature program where you can, okay. you can tab the guitar parts. And you can also tab out, um, for example, in our case, orchestral ideas. And you okay. can tab out some, some programs, some drums. So it's basically a way to tab out the song as you go along. And... Um, kind of because there's playback there's midi playback it, it you kind of have like a mini demo that you can hear as you go along so it's okay. very very effective for hearing the ideas come come to life in real time um but yeah guitar pro is um yeah he heavily used in this band for for composition purposes yeah mm -hmm. for sure and you get to see what sounds best before actually putting it all together exactly cool. and if you're, if you're trying out like different harmonies or stuff like that, you can decide now that doesn't sound good and then mm -hmm. delete it. And, and really easy to just try a different idea in real time. So it's it's a very useful software for that purpose. Was it difficult to learn? Um, initially, probably, yeah. Um, but at this point, I've been using it for so many years that um, mm -hmm. once you get over that that curve, like then it's smooth sailing. And thankfully, I'm sure by now there's also a lot of great resources online to to try to learn how to use it. So yeah. Well, yeah, of course, with the with the explosion of YouTube and stuff like that, I'm sure it got way better. Yeah. So YouTube, uh, and I know you guys draw forums. influence. Oh, sorry. YouTube and sorry. <laughs> no, it's a, no, sorry. Continue. <laughs> No, fair enough. Um, so you guys draw influence from a, a wide variety of music. Um, but one thing on your website that's listed is Baroque music. Um, what is that? And why does it fit your, your style? Um, so Baroque music um, Baroque. is, yeah, no, it's a, it's a kind of like a time period. So when you think classical, uh, most mm -hmm. people, classical is just like the umbrella term, but then there's specific eras. Um, and Baroque okay. happens to be one of those. So we really enjoy that sound, um, at least, well, myself and, and Cameron, uh, who's the other guitar player. So we, mm -hmm. I honestly, like, don't know the names of all the composers or, or all these uh, specific pieces, but I really like the Baroque sound. And I okay. have, um, like, miscellaneous um, compilations that have all sorts of different Baroque pieces. So I draw influence from that. And I also like Renaissance era music. So I have some, mm -hmm. some Renaissance era uh, compilation pieces. Um, so yeah, that's, we draw influence from, from that stuff for sure, especially with like the guitar stuff um, and then also orchestral backings at times. That's cool. So was it hard to adapt that style of music to your guitar playing? Mm, I wouldn't say so because we are also influenced by bands like 
um, Children of Bodom, for example, who also mm-hmm. have a very, very strong neoclassical influence, um, including like this Baroque-sounding stuff. So, I mean, we we kind of have gone along with that as well. Um, and but they were them and like Ingve Malmsteen and and you know ma- many before us have have kind of brought in that influence. So there was already kind of like a blueprint, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. But we're we've gone straight to the source as well. You know, as as much as we are influenced by like these neoclassical metal bands, um, we are also influenced by the actual source. So we we kind of draw influence from both in that in that sense. Cool. Um, so when you're writing a song, do you generally put together like your lyrics first, or do you put together the guitar side of things? Um, definitely the music is always going to be first. Mm-hmm. Um, the lyrics, honestly, I put off until the very last <laughs> minute. Um, I feel like the lyric writing process is, uh, although I'm typically happy with, with the end result, it doesn't come very naturally. So mm-hmm. I spend a lot of frustrating hours <laughs> trying to come up with stuff. And um, it's it's more challenging because I also play guitar at the same time. So I mm-hmm. have to write <clears throat> lyrics with vocal patterns that I can play at the same time. Um, or I can, you know, I can, I can do the vocals that kind of makes sense with what I'm playing. So it's kind of challenging. Um, I'm sure... If I did it more and I got more practice, I'd get better at it. But since I always procrastinate, I always wait until the last minute. But it, it usually works out. <laughs> yeah, and your music seems to deal with like a lot of heavy subjects too. Good and bad. I've seen... Uh, yes. Anyways, we can talk about that here shortly. One thing I did want to ask is, um, in a previous interview, you said that writing lyrics is, is therapeutic for you. And I just want to know if that holds true. And if, um, if you kind of found any i guess solace in that during during the pandemic here and if you find guitar equally as impactful for you yeah um it's definitely therapeutic especially when dealing with some of the heavier topics um Mm -hmm. the first album draconian winter had some some very heavy stuff on there there was a lot of grief that i was experiencing so that offered me an opportunity to put that out there um, in a way that maybe somebody could connect to. Um, mm-hmm. For Heavenly Skies, um, there were definitely moments like that, and we can discuss um, you know any specific songs momentarily here. Um, um, but yeah, w- when it comes to discussing some of these heavier topics, um, it it does it is a therapeutic process, um, and also some of these topics are are fairly universal so uh, mm-hmm. whenever i i touch some topics i kind of hope that whoever wants to dig any deeper and and read these lyrics hopefully they can connect and and you know we can kind of just connect with each other that way um mm-hmm. guitar is is a very therapeutic in that sense too i think with guitar it's just easier to forget about daily life you know i just mm-hmm. jam on guitar try to play some riffs or play some some licks here and there maybe write a melody or two it it kind of helps um you know escape daily nonsense so exactly yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So when did you start using music as a coping mechanism? Um, I think it was probably more after I experienced uh, a loss in, in my family. Um, before that, you know, it, it had always just been for fun, you know, and I'm still, mm -hmm. I, it's still always been fun, but having an opportunity to, you know, express some of this grief or, um, or express other ideas that I have, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, um, it, it's a very unique opportunity to have a platform like that where I can kind of discuss whatever's on my mind in that, in that era. So I guess, um, yeah, when, when we were recording the Draconian Winter album, um, I didn't really have a lot of the lyrics. Or if not, maybe, I don't, I don't even know if I had any of the lyrics when we started recording. But um, throughout the process, uh, life happens and um, mm -hmm. there, so, some inspiration came from, from some very unfortunate situations. So, um, yeah. That's that's kind of when it, I guess. So to answer the question, probably around 2012 or so, or 2011 okay, is when, when I started using as therapy. <laughs> I, uh, I I am sorry for your loss, but I'm glad that you picked up music as something that can help you through it. Um, it seems like, I mean, thank you. Just you've done. I mean, okay, so I can go back and forth here, but even listening from your original, your first album to your second, you guys have grown, you guys are more cohesive as a unit. You're, you seem to be far like creative and, um, it just seems to jive better, I guess. So I, in a way, I guess I'm trying to say that it's good that you benefited from it and found that outlet because there's so many wrong paths you can take, I guess. Absolutely. There's, uh, there's many options when, when you're feeling, certain ways and thankfully we have music um mm -hmm. to to help us get through that either as um as a creative outlet or or even just as a listener you know if you want to just listen to something to help you forget yeah. or or to feel sad too and just like connect with some sad music you know there's exactly. there's all these thankfully these these options and um throughout you know we decided I decided to just, you know, practice more guitar and just keep writing music. Um, and I think that can definitely be heard between the, the two releases. You know, we were, mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, Draconian Winter was released in 2014. And we didn't release Heavenly Skies until 20, what is it, 19? <laughs> Time is just yeah. so difficult to keep track of these days. So there was, um, now. you know, a lot of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of opportunity to um, improve as musicians and, and become more cohesive as a band. And that was also mm -hmm. deliberate. I, I was aware that we had to grow as musicians um, in order to better execute the, these songs and this music. So mm -hmm. um, I'm glad that was um, uh, notable when listening to Heavenly Skies. I just went through the, uh, the albums yesterday again, and it was very uh, distinct for sure. And it just seems like, I guess, in the new album, the uh, the songs just seem to work well better together. If that makes sense, it seems like kind of, they they all follow the same the same style. If that makes sense, yeah, more cohesive. Um, I feel like you know, Draconian Winter was a basically like a compilation of our first compositions, and for Heavenly mm -hmm. Skies, we were able to mature as musicians and songwriters and then i also had 
uh, Cameron Stuckey, um, he, he was not in Draconian Winter um, when, when I first mm-hmm. wrote um, most of those songs. So he, he joined when, when we were already recording Draconian Winter. So we got to collaborate on Heavenly Skies and to have his influence and his playing and everything. I think it just, it all kind of, um, yeah, took it, took it all to the next level, even though he did, you know, play solos on the, on the first album. Um, mm-hmm. there, there was a lot of growth that happened between, between those two records and hopefully that'll be the case with whatever else we release. You know, we, the goal is to get better every time, either as yep. musicians, uh, songwriters, lyricists, you know, <laughs> keep yep. keep raising the bar for ourselves so then as a vocalist how do you get better uh yelling and screaming <laughs> oh man i just do my best um unfortunately i don't really have an opportunity to practice vocals as much as i would like to i mm-hmm. live in an apartment complex which i'm sure many people do and many people probably practice in this setting and, and don't don't care but um you know, I don't want, I'm trying to be mindful of my neighbors and I don't want to scare them or, <laughs> or piss them off. So, um, typically I keep vocal rehearsing to, to whenever we rehearse as a band. Um, okay. but yeah, I've, I, I try to, I guess, be more mindful of tech technique. I mean, but by the time I recorded the heavenly skies vocals, I, I'd been a vocalist for much longer and had an opportunity to, um, try try different things. Um, and I think there's still a lot of room for, for improvement, but, um, I, I think the vocals sounded much better on heavenly skies and that was many years of experience between the two. So hopefully next vocals will also sound good, at least as good, if not a little bit better. So when you're, um, looking back and kind of critiquing yourself as a vocalist, what kind of, how do you pick things out? How do you change, how do you decide what to change and where you need to, um, where you need to go, I guess. Um, what I'm listening for is the quality of the growl, I guess, okay. or the scream. Um, you know, how, how much power is behind it. Um, and I think I achieved some, pretty pretty powerful sounding growls on on heavenly skies that i'm yeah i'm proud of and i'll listen to draconian winter occasionally and you know i i cringe a little bit here and there at the vocals or or like maybe maybe some of my solos or, or whatever but i mean that that comes with with growth um mm-hmm. even though i'm cringing a little bit i'm also proud because we did that when we were fairly young um yeah I think exactly we started recording yeah, we I think we were 19 when we started recording the album. Um yep. took a few years to to put it out, but we were 19 initially and I mean, we we did the best we could at that time. So it's it's like a it's like a time capsule of where we were and you know, we, yeah, we have exactly. to be proud of ourselves. Awesome. We can't just be like embarrassed or anything like that. You know, we did we did really great for for where we were at the time. Um and uh, with Heavenly Skies, yeah, I was definitely aiming to to try to make the vocals sound a little more full as well. Um, mm-hmm. And with with the techniques, and and also, I mean, the different there was a different mixing approach as well. Um, so all these factors definitely helped. Interesting. So as we were discussing uh, just before the show here, um, 
you mentioned that you had written an EP. So where are you with that? And what are some of the things you're looking to change from the last album? So the EP um, was inspired by this uh, uh, this whole pandemic situation in, in that I knew these were heavy and dark times, but I wanted to go the other way. I figured, okay, we're, we're going to need uh, some cheering up after this. So I, yeah. I was inspired to write some very fast, I mean, as cliche as it's going to sound, more epic, more melodic, more, more everything, basically. Um, and and w- with the hope that when this EP is released, um, you know, we can all just party and have a good time. And, mm-hmm. and it's, um, yeah, I had quit my job, um, my previous job, um, three weeks before I had submitted a three week notice, which meant, okay, in three weeks, I'm done. Um, and I felt very liberated. And then five days later, there was a lockdown in California that lasted um, four months, which um, for many people I know was very difficult and, and trying times. But for me, it was exactly what I needed. Um, after working a food industry job for nine years, I was just mm-hmm. burnt out and drained. So, so I had four months of government mandated vacation. So I used that time to just do whatever I wanted. And what I wanted to do was write music. So I wrote, um, you know, once I had the idea that I wanted this EP to be certain like triumphant, catchy sounding songs, um, that gave me the direction that I needed. And, and I was just writing all this stuff. And um, basically, yeah, the, so the next EP um, will be six songs and um, it'll just be happy sounding melodic death metal <laughs> with maybe a little, that sounds a little awesome. folk metal and maybe a little <laughs> power metal sprinkled in there. <laughs> uh, no power metal vocals like though, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll be, yeah, I just want, I feel happy when I hear these songs and I yep. just want to bring that to other fellow metal heads. So, so we can party and, and um, currently in the very early stages of recording it, we, we rehearsed a couple times, and and things were starting to come come together, but um, I don't want to wait a lo- around any longer. So we're just gonna start recording it here and there at a at a comfortable pace. And mm-hmm. when the time comes, um, it'll it'll be released. Hopefully, uh, I'm not even gonna speculate on when, you know, because <laughs> then I that's backfired on me before. <laughs> when the time is. <laughs> Do you right. guys have a title planned or anything? Uh not yet. I've been pondering that and um, there's currently no lyrics that have been written i do have some ideas for for the type of concepts that i do want to touch on on this ep but um no no title yet hopefully it'll be something epic (laughs) cool i'm excited yeah um as we mentioned before you guys cover some pretty heavy topics in your music so uh some songs that i've thought about like an essence remains uh seems to deal with the loss of someone else other songs that you have seems to deal with like suicidal ideation, uh, nihilism or despair, but they're also very uplifting and positive message peppered throughout. So, um, is there any specific reason you chose to cover these subjects as opposed to like typically metal subjects, quote unquote? Yeah, <laughs> that's a very great question. And, um, I, I take pride in the liberty to, to write about whatever, whatever I want mm-hmm. to. 
Um, I know there's more standard metal topics I can decide on, and, and I do occasionally, you know, go there too. Um, but I figured, okay, if I'm going to be screaming these things, I should touch some topics that, um, that are close to me, you know, for due to personal experience. And, um, I mean, an essence remains is a great example. Um, that mm -hmm. was, uh, so what I was alluding to earlier, I, uh, a sibling, uh, committed suicide 10 years ago now. And at the time oh, Jesus. that was all fresh. So, so yeah. in essence remains was the therapy in a way. Um, oh, it was, wow. it was very therapeutic to, to come up with something like that. And, um, versus like a song like Shattered Sanctum also on the same album. That was a mm -hmm. more, um, more darker lyrics and, um, kind of dealing with the same topic, maybe a little more cryptic perhaps, but, um, you know, there, there's a little bit of both, you know, because that's kind of the way it goes when, when you're dealing with grief, um, you know, some, there's moments where it's like a roller coaster. Sometimes, you know, you're understand what happens other times mm -hmm. not, and you're sad and angry. So that, that was, um, certainly the therapeutic part of it on the first album. And mm -hmm. then on, um, for example, um, you may be alluding to like resignation on, on heavenly skies, uh, which is mm -hmm. certainly about suicide. Um, that one was also because of, of my experience, um, with my sibling, and initially, I mean, I, I had the idea, well, what if I write it from, from the perspective of somebody who, who has uh, taken their life and, and, you know, they feel liberated or, or something like that. And that was the initial idea, but I decided against that because I was afraid I wouldn't be able to come back from that mental, like mentally and emotionally. And I also mm -hmm. didn't want to um, I accidentally glorify romanticize suicide i wouldn't want anyone in a tough spot to read those lyrics and be like oh yeah that's a that's a great idea oh you know i didn't even think of that <laughs> yeah so that wouldn't so, have been your intention but definitely no, that would have resonated with no. some people so i was i was thinking a lot about that and um hmm. i decided i still wanted to touch on that topic because um you know it's it's affected my life in, in a way and i know mm -hmm. that's something that um you know, many people struggle with. And also that's a very dark song musically. So it felt, it felt like an appropriate topic for that. Um, but instead of just being negative or glorifying suicide, it's from the perspective of like maybe somebody who's in that position. And then we, we try to do like a little callback or, or a little response where, you know, there, there's some words of encouragement, encouragement, mm -hmm. you know, you're not alone. And, um, must keep fighting and stuff like that and i got a uh, got some feedback from some people that that they really appreciated those lyrics so i'm i'm glad i wrote that um i you know what like when it comes to uh being in that place if if you have something to hold on to and if it's just a few words f do it like definitely do it that the worst thing you can do is not ask for help or or not um take the help that's being given even if it's even if it's a song so I'm, I'm again, sorry for your loss. Um, I can't imagine that being easy, man. Yeah, it so was, it was a challenging I mean, to go the, thing <laughs> for sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think we've all had, uh, some sort of experience with suicide, but when it comes down to it, it leaves you with a loss and it leaves you with a lot more questions than answers. 
uh, we we you know must move on at some point. Um, yeah, and that's something that uh, took me many years, you know, many years to just accept what had happened. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's sometimes guilt, even though maybe you did everything you could, right? But I mean, yep. that that comes over over time. And I'm I'm glad that I'm yeah, yeah. able to I've been able to overcome that, you know, and um, keep keep moving forward. Um, and that uh, and in the spirit, I of, mean, oh sorry, <laughs> no no sorry, continue. <laughs> I just uh, I have trouble reading people on the on the camera and the mic. It seems so. Um, what I was going to say is, in the spirit of moving forward and overcoming it, your song "Limitless" it seems to be about reaching your full potential. Um, so it, it's the exact opposite from the nihilistic view in, in some other songs, but, uh, why the change and are you trying to have or send a message by having all these positive messages in your song or in your music, I guess? Yeah. So I figured, okay, if we're gonna, you know, go down a, a sad and dramatic road with resignation and then, um, the song afterwards is uh, road to peril, which is also mm -hmm. a very heavy topic. Um, uh, dealing with um, uh, well, the perspective of mankind just kind of trashing this planet. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's that's a dramatic one. I figured, okay, let's end on a positive note. Now that we mm -hmm. we dealt with some dramatic, heavy topics, so limitless. Yeah, that was, and it's also much. The music is much more uplifting sounding and epic and triumphant. So um, I wanted to write. Uh, uh, the lyrics that could kind of turn things around and we can end on a positive note. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's important to be able to, to write about both heavy, heavy topics and, um, uh, much more cheerful, positive, encouraging topics. So yeah, limitless is my attempt to try to encourage, um, the listener to, to, you know, go, go for it. Go for, if they have some sort of, dream or aspiration or something like that and it's also a reflection of of myself because you know doing this um music thing is is me trying to follow the dream if you will and even if that just means being able to record music with my friends and and play some gigs here and there mm -hmm. um, then then yeah i'm i'm doing that so it was a reflection of where where i felt like i was at the time um because putting together an album and recording it is is not easy <laughs> um no. so sometimes you wonder man why do i put myself through this like for a moment of course mm -hmm. you know not nothing too serious but um yeah it's because we're following our dream this is this is what, we, what we're doing this is what we want to do and everybody should do that um whether that's writing music releasing music or getting into some into the arts or getting into anything like that you know it's I, yeah. I just think we need some more positive messages in metal it's okay to you know touch those heavy topics and and you know the brutal stuff but i want to be able to go in any direction so uh that's that was the idea with limitless so when you're writing an album what do you find is the most difficult part of it I think the most difficult part is the recording process um, because there's just so many layers to it. Um, like literally we were talking just tracks, you know, 
There's mm-hmm. the, you know, I got to handle the guitars, the, you know, the bass, vocals, all this stuff. For us, it's also orchestrations, and then there's scheduling. You know, got to schedule time to record drums, and then if we're going to get whoever's going to mix and master it, got to schedule that, and communication between all parties, and because I'm kind of the the main guy, if you will, you know, I have, that's all on me. I have Mm -hmm. to schedule everything. I have to edit everything. Uh, We record as much as we can in-house, but, you know, I'm part of the entire process. So it's, it's very, very taxing. I think Um, uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of stress involved. um, But then you hear the final, the end result, and then you remember like, all right, this is why, this is why I put myself through this. (laughs) Yeah. When the finished product is there, it's like, this is great. This is awesome. And then you can compare it with where you came from. Like we mentioned earlier. Exactly. And we, we've had some really great feedback from individuals around the world. And I mean, people that we've never met before. And the fact that we're able to connect with somebody in, for example, in Japan or or someone Mm -hmm. in Russia, um, it's just such a special feeling that I wouldn't trade for the world. And, um, you know, every every bit of stress that goes into this is a hundred percent worth it. Um, so, yeah, we we will continue to put ourselves through that. <laughs> um, in writing an album, how do you keep her? Not even writing an album, just with uh, organizing shows, organizing the band. How do you keep yourself organized? Ooh, so at least with thankfully with music, we can just have different files. You know. But when it mm-hmm. comes to like shows and stuff like that, that requires a lot of communication between, um, you know, myself and the band. If I'm booking a show and booking all the bands, which which I do as well, then I have to communicate with the bands, communicate with whoever's in charge of the venue, and then mm-hmm. if we're hiring a sound person, like so, there, there's just, I guess you gotta want it really bad, you know, um, yeah. you know. So because also I have a lot like very high standards for all these things. Um, you know, I, I do like being a part of every aspect of it because that way mm-hmm. I make sure everything is up to par. Um, but it can get a little challenging for sure. Um, but once you're on stage, you know, when you, you hear that intro track or whatever, like nothing matters, nothing else matters, but that moment right there. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> So if there's one country you could choose to play in, where would it be? Oh, man. I would love to play, I want to say Japan, because yeah. uh, we have a huge fan in Japan, and I would love to meet him and play a show for him. He he has gotten the first Crepuscle tattoo, uh, to my knowledge. He yeah, His name is Tomoyuki. Tomoyuki, if you end up watching this, what's up, man? <laughs> Thanks for everything. Um, he has all of our merch and like, you know, just keeps me inspired. So I would just love to play a show for, for that dude. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But if I could choose another country, I would say Finland would be awesome. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah I've been to Finland albums, before and <laughs> uh, when did just you a great heavy metal culture. Um, I went in. Uh, I went in 2018, and I caught a, a few shows. I saw uh, Kalma and Winter Sun, Wolfheart, while I was out there. And nice. I went to five five gigs total, and um, 
it's just so awesome to to see the heavy metal culture over there so mm -hmm. it'd be cool to play play a show there and um definitely up there on the list so hopefully someday we go and also it seems like at least according to spotify we have a decent amount of listeners in finland so it'd be cool to to go visit them and and have some beers with them oh you can track where your listeners are from um yeah spotify there there's some part of it where you can check like stats and it'll mm -hmm. show you the the highest ranking cities i guess you could say like so x amount of people in helsinki x amount in um i don't know uvascula or like russia so it it's really cool to see that and of course it, it changes all the time and, and also mm -hmm. to be fair our numbers are uh, very modest compared to like industry standards but uh we we don't care about that we see that and we see i see that and i see oh there's people all over the world enjoying this so mission accomplished yeah exactly the seeds got to spread or start somewhere and then it spreads right exactly what else did you like about finland um it's just such a beautiful country um mm -hmm. we we were there i was there with uh with my friend and we went all over the country for these gigs um and all the shows were great um and i mean being able to see winter sun play a hometown gig like i don't know if you're familiar with winter sun but um mm -hmm. that's something special you know they're a local band there <laughs> And we flew from California to see them. Um, uh, going to metal bars, that's something that we don't have, at least in my area here in, in this part of the Bay Area, we don't have a metal bar. So to go to a bar over there that's playing the music that I would be listening to in my room if I were to be just having some beers, it's something mm -hmm. really cool, just casually listening to Demo Borgir or something like that. So uh, yeah, I would love to go back whether it's to play a gig or, or to go to a festival or something, I'm not sure, but I will be back. Do you notice any big differences between the metal scenes in Finland and the States? Um, from what I could gather, it seems like we all like to drink beer at a metal gig. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, so that much is similar. Um, uh, for at least the winter sun show that I caught in Helsinki, um, there was much more crowd participation. It seemed like everyone there knew all the lyrics, so they were singing along to everything, which was amazing to, to watch. Um, but metal fans are passionate everywhere, so mm -hmm. you know, we, we have really good gigs like that here sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's just cool to go to, a, to the other side of the world and feel right at home. You know, you hear yeah. heavy guitars and you have a beer in your hand. It, it's not much different sometimes. As long as you're listening to good music and watching a good show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one question uh, about your two albums is there's a, you move away from using first person lyrics. Was that something you chose to do or is it, what, did it just happen? Um, I think it just happens. <laughs> I don't think it's something... Um, that I thought about necessarily, or maybe I did at the time, maybe I just don't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's something that just happens. Um, and I wonder if I'm going to keep that in mind when I start working on these new lyrics. I'm, now that it, uh, it's been noticed. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 honestly, I don't remember <laughs> if it was uh, intentional or not. 
that sometimes it just fits better if you move away from certain styles or whatever. Um, yeah. Have you ever considered doing like acoustic versions of your song or any any versions with clean vocals? Yes, actually. Not very well known fact is that we recorded Draconian Winter acoustic version as well a few mm. years later. So in 2016, we we recorded the full album. I think it took us a couple years. All the songs acoustic version uh, with the same friend who recorded Draconian Winter. However, the problem is that it he he made it bigger than it was intentionally meant to be. So. Uh, his computer ended up not being able to handle all the tracks. Um, you'd think, oh, acoustic album, stripped down, but for some reason we were at like 100 plus tracks for an acoustic song. Oh, so wow. uh, his his computer just got to a point where it couldn't handle it. And it, uh, yeah, so that, that idea is still in limbo. I mean, he still has the tracks, but he needs a new computer. Um, so well, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know when we'll, we'll actually get around to releasing it. Maybe maybe 10 year anniversary at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as far as clean vocals, um, you know, never, never say never. It's not something that I'm good at. So I certainly wouldn't be doing it. If, if we were to have clean vocals, it would probably be a, mm. a guest vocalist and it would have to like fit a certain section. Um, but back to the acoustic thing, it would be awesome to do, some of these um, Heavenly Sky songs acoustically as well. So, But we have to mm -hmm. wait for the Draconian Winter versions, otherwise things will be released out of sequence. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we love acoustic guitar. Um, there's a lot of acoustic sections. Well, not a lot, but there are certainly acoustic sections throughout our music, and we do have an acoustic track on each of our albums, uh, first and second album. There won't be one on the EP. That's just high-octane heavy metal. Um but we, we do love acoustic, and hopefully um, we will have an opportunity to share these acoustic renditions with the world. I'm glad you didn't uh, end up losing all the tracks when the computer crapped out. Yeah, that would have been tragic, because we spent a lot of time on those. <laughs> a lot of time, a lot of frustration. But um, we I reworked all the songs so that they would sound like acoustic songs you know we we're not tremolo okay. we're not tremolo picking parts just on an acoustic guitar we mm -hmm. we rewrote some stuff rewrote some melodies rewrote the solos um so so it's it's like a new song in some instances um and we'd love to share that um i, I would love to hear those you know because you know we were, we were really proud of those and we uh, the other guitarist, Cameron, and myself, we we played those songs live once. We played all those songs live once at a, at a our friend's cafe, and um, you know we felt really good about that. But um, yeah, we we'll just have to wait, I guess. Speaking of playing uh, playing in a cafe, do you like more intimate shows, or do you like bigger uh, festival uh, festival type shows? Um. We haven't had the opportunity to play a big festival show, so okay. I would have to get back to you on that one. But we like the club Fair gigs enough. so far, so... <laughs> cool. Yeah. And what about as a listener? Do you like the big stadiums or do you like the intimate shows? That's a good question after having been to, to both several times. Um, 
I really like I like the festival setting. I don't know if I prefer it, but I really enjoy it for what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I've been to seventy thousand tons of metal a few times. Um, I've been to we we used to have some touring festivals called like Ozfest and Mayhem Fest. So those are really it's just it's cool to be able to see a band you love with a ton of people also mm-hmm. super into it. Um, but there, it's also really cool to be in a small venue where you can be much closer to the band. So I think each has its its place. Um, if I had to select which I prefer a little bit more, I would say a club show. Yeah, because you're able to get a little closer and, um, yeah, more likely I don't know catch a set list or a guitar pick or something. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I would have to agree with you there. It seems like at smaller shows you have a better chance of meeting the band, and they're often like hanging out in the crowds, and you just I don't know you can have a drink with a couple of them. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great time. So now being from the Bay Area, uh, obviously the origin of thrash metal, do you guys have any, um, do you feel any pressure as a band uh, to kind of follow along with the thrash style of music or do you have, do you feel like you have to inject thrash into your, into your music? I don't, I don't think we feel any pressure. I think there might be some subtle influence here and there from the thrash thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But most, most of the bands we listen to um, are from uh, the Nordic countries. So we're more influenced by, by that style. Um, but we don't, we don't feel any pressure. I think if anything, it's to our benefit to do, to do our thing the way that we do it. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's not so many bands in our area that do that. So, um, you know, there's plenty of thrash, plenty of death metal and technical death metal, but not so many drawing influence from the European sound. So, um, yeah, I think I think it works to our benefit, and um, there's there's a healthy healthy amount of thrash already, so mm-hmm. uh, you know they can they can they can keep the flag going. <laughs> <laughs> is there still a lot of thrash down in that area, or is it, has it kind of um, evolved? There is a lot of thrash still. Um, I th- from what I can tell, it looks like um, technical death metal is really really big in mm-hmm. in our area, um, but all the all the classic thrash bands are are still around so they you know like death angel exodus mm-hmm. testament you know all all those guys are still around so um uh thrash is never going to go away um and it, but with with our peers and stuff like that i i think um yeah, most mostly heavier stuff like death metal seems to be um bigger in this area so it seems anyway Interesting. When you're organizing a show, do you often think of the style of music that the artists that you're playing with, or is that something that you just kind of, you invite, uh, who wants to come? Yeah. Um, that's definitely taken into consideration. Um, we also want to book bands that, um, we're, we're friends with, or we know people in the bands. So, so we just want it to, to be like, feel like a party. And mm-hmm. if we want like a little bit of variety, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll book specific bands for that but um typically we just want it to be like people that we're really good friends with already so that's kind of the route we take interesting uh here we go now your old band arcane existence um you released one album with them how did the process differ writing music for that band compared to Crepuscle 
Um, and if I remember correctly, you guys had two vocalists on that album, didn't you? Um, there was another vocalist that did a guest. Uh, she, she did one song, I think. It was more like oh, okay. clean, clean vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, I was much less involved with that project or that band. Um, initially, I was contacted by Kiera, who's who's a main um, composer in the band, um, to to just do vocals as a session session thing. And I was um, honestly flattered because I considered myself mainly a guitarist. So mm-hmm. it was cool to be considered a vocalist uh, in that moment. And we we had played some shows with her previous band, so I already knew her a little bit. Um, so I didn't have any influence in terms of like any of the music that was all written and recorded already. Um, and the lyrics also were written by her. They're, um, I think they're all about the show called Once Upon a Time. Um, I, I'm, I think that's what it's called. But basically, uh, unfortunately, I'm not familiar with that show, so I, d- I didn't really know what the lyrics were about most of the time, mm-hmm. but I did my best. <laughs> um, my contribution was coming up with the vocal rhythms, So okay. because um, she she hadn't previously done vocals or, or put together lyrics or stuff like that. Um, I was able to make some suggestions and, and kind of come up with that. Um, the patterns, which uh, thankfully she she seemed to to like, so so that all worked out. And I think initially it was probably meant to just be like a so a studio thing, but mm-hmm. mentioned, hey, if, if you ever want to take it live, you know that that'd be cool. I, I'd be down because um, I, I thought it'd be fun to just be a vocalist on stage and mm-hmm. give that a shot. So so I played I think four shows with them, and oh, they they got a lineup together, or she got a lineup together, and I played some shows. But um, being in multiple bands is is a little tricky. So I, you know, since since Crepuscle takes up so much of my time and creative bandwidth, I uh, decided to to step down at that point. Probably a good decision if you're focusing on on Crepuscle. Yeah, there's. I don't know how some people are able to be in so many bands. I, it seems like, I'm, you know, major admiration for for them, but for me, just it's just easier to just focus on one thing and who knows, maybe later I'll give it a shot and, and have an, a side project again. But right now, Crepuscle, um, satisfies my musical needs. So exactly. Yeah. So you guys have also played a show with arcane existence. Um, did you happen to join them for any songs? Um, we, we played two shows together when I was, uh, an official member of the band. So I okay. I did double duty. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, the first the, our debut show was one of those. Um, so we Arcane Arcane Existence opened the show, and and I was doing vocals, and then Crepuscle headlined. So a few mm-hmm. bands later, I went back on stage and and did that, and then we played another show where um, it was a very small venue. I got to do double duty again, but. I'm, Unfortunately, the timing was uh, di- didn't work out as well at the scheduling, so Crepuscle ended up playing only two songs, but I had already gotten to play a full set, so I guess it worked out. <laughs> um, but we, we <laughs> was haven't... Was it hard uh, getting back on stage Get it after the second or the first set, sorry? Uh, no, not at all. Um, it, was, it was fun to be able to have two different um, approaches. You know, with one, I can just... 
headbang as needed and do do the vocals, do the corpse grinder thing. But uh, with the other one, you know, much more limited because I have a guitar in front of me and I'm mm -hmm. playing at the same time. But um, it was cool to try both things. Um, and I think, honestly, being able to focus on vocals actually probably helped me a lot. I think that experience helped me um, expand as a vocalist. So, so I'm thankful for, for that opportunity. And it was a lot of fun while, um, while I was in there and, and tr tracking vocals and trying different patterns. So I think that was very, very helpful. How did you become endorsed by ESP? Um, we're very fortunate um, that we know uh, somebody from, from ESP. So um, as, as I go, sometimes who you know is definitely definitely helpful um mm -hmm. but of course it's it's not just that we know we know this person they um they know that we're we're serious and and we have a very professional attitude and um <clears throat> you know we put out guitar playthroughs and and do our best to um to showcase esp guitars and we're very proud to be affiliated with esp guitars um so it was um something that kind of just happened and and we've been very thankful for that opportunity and, and very happy ever since. What do, what does being endorsed actually mean? Like, obviously it's like a sponsorship, but um, I guess what's the, what's the relationship between you guys? Um, yeah. So an endorsement, um, I think it depends. It varies on artists. Um, mm -hmm. We, we get, um, artist pricing so we get some some very generous discounts on on guitars um and we can't ask for more that's plenty for us i mean mm -hmm. i would probably buy these guitars at full price with how good they are so it's um it's definitely a plus and with so many of our favorite guitarists having either previously been on esp or or current esp artists it um it feels great to be associated with with what i would consider the premier the, the the main metal guitar company mm -hmm. so yeah <laughs> when you're talking about a medical metal guitar is it built differently um than maybe guitars that are better suited for other genres or is it something that you do individually to the instrument um i think the build quality is, or the the build style is different the the shape is different for example my mm -hmm. main guitar right now is a is a v-shape that's a very very much, you know, made for, for the metal musician. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, more bare bones in the sense that it only has a volume knob. There's no tone knob, which would be more common in um, other guitars. Other guitars might have more um, electronics options and stuff like that for more tonal mm -hmm. um, options. But for metal, at least, at least the style we play, we just like it loud and and simple you know we don't need a lot of a lot of tonal options so um i would say that basically yeah the, the extreme shape for some you know the the v or anything like that mm -hmm. definitely helps but um yeah i guess that's uh <laughs> that's the main thing for for me anyway does the shape of the guitar change the sound i'm asking because i have no idea <laughs> sure yeah no problem yeah so Definitely, it can affect the sound. Also, the type of wood that the guitar is made of. Um, 
different electronic components, so pickups. There's little like rectangles that are basically like microphones. Those those affect the sound. Um, it's amazing how hmm. how every little thing can ultimately affect the sound. Um, but we play with, at least I do. I play with very very high gain, so. Maybe at the end of the day, it doesn't matter so much because of how much gain I play with, but um, certainly there's certainly subtleties, um, uh, especially when you're recording. You can definitely hear how different a guitar sounds based on which what wood it's made of or what other components it has. Interesting. So then could the same be said about strings or is that pretty much um, universal across the board? No, the same could be said about strings. Um, whatever material they, they're made of, um, different brands, I think, are made from different material or treat their strings a little bit differently. Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of room for experimentation. Um, even even different guitar picks make, make it sound different, something that um, I don't think most people would realize. But whatever the thickness of a guitar pick or whatever... Um, material it's made of will affect the sound. Hmm. That's a lot more intricate than I expected. Yeah. And it sounds, it sounds like it's made up, right? <laughs> but when, when you hear a, a dry guitar sound, um, or when you, or even a distorted guitar sound, if you, if you record it and hear it back to back, <clears throat> you can hear, um, you can hear the differences in, in frequency response. Um, which you wouldn't expect. When I first realized that, I was like, wow, I, I had no idea. Yeah. I, I thought a guitar pick is a guitar pick. You know, how could that make any difference? Yeah. But yeah, trust me, it does. It's mind blowing. Before we started is recording. That, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's a quite interesting because that changes drastically the sound. And now if you think about like specific bands have very distinct sounds and that's, I guess, one of the reasons it's not carried over uh, between bands of the same genre. All these little things, what kind of instruments are used, um, guitar picks, picking style, you know, how, what angle you hold mm -hmm. the guitar pick, um, everything affects the, the end result. So um, before I started recording some of the EP stuff recently, I was going back and forth between five guitar picks to see which one was going to be the right one. And I hope I chose the right one. <laughs> I'm sure it'll sound fine, but <laughs> sometimes you kind of overthink things like that. And you're just like, oh, is this the right guitar pick? <laughs> and maybe once you hear like heavy drums and choirs and stuff, it probably won't matter. But, you know, you want the best. Well, and you're the one listening to it, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you said earlier, you have high standards, so. For better or worse. <laughs> For better, I would say, yeah. So now to change pace just a little bit, um, what kind of music are you generally drawn to and who are some of your current favorite bands? So I love melodic death metal. You know, the style that I play is exactly what I listen to. So mm -hmm. um, I love bands like Calma, Winter Sun, Hypocrisy, um, Omnium Gatherum. Um, I also really like some more like the some power metal stuff. Um, Beast in Black is... One of my current favorites, um, but I, t I t typically tend to stick to that. Also, well, some folk metal, Ensoferum, Equilibrium. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Children of Bodom, of course. Uh, not not folk metal, but kind of going all over the place now. Insomnium. 
Um, but yeah, that that tends to be my favorite. I, I do also listen to um, like Baroque era music, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I really like Enya, um, which is this new age, new age music occasionally. So um, those are kind of more the outliers and more occasionally, but I tend to stick to melodic death metal as much as, uh, as I feel the need to. <laughs> Do you ever hope to branch out into any other genres of music, like as a, as a musician? Um, yeah, I've tried other stuff. So I, I, I do like some heavier bands, a little bit of death metal, like Bloodbath and Cannibal Corpse, mm-hmm. a little black metal like Dissection and Emperor. Um, and then what else? It's not melodic death. Um, I, I, I do occasionally, and, and if there's something new coming out, like I'll check it out, even if I, it might not be my cup of tea initially. Um, I'm not so much into technical death metal anymore, but I used to like um, this band called Obscura, and mm-hmm. they recently released a couple new songs, and um, I'm glad I checked them out because the second one was just crushing, like mid-tempo, like morbid angel-sounding death metal, which is not typically what I'm listening to, but sometimes... That's just, that's kind of what, what I need to listen to at that moment. So, yeah, I, I'll check out other stuff. But, um, you know, after all these years of listening to melo- melodic death metal, um, I'm not bored of it yet. So, that, that's still my go-to. That's a good sign. Yeah. For sure. Eligio, thank you for spending this time with me. For anyone looking to experience Corpuscle's music, check out their website, Facebook, Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, and more. Eligio, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Thank you for listening. Um, Check out Heavenly Skies if you haven't yet, and prepare yourselves because there's some very epic melodic music on its way soon. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.